Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truthiest life Welcome back to Lisa Lately, where we get to have a little fun, me and you, and I get to share a little bit of what's going on in my mind, in my life, what I'm thinking about, what I'm talking about with people, what I'm experiencing, and I'm really excited to jump into this episode where I'm sharing, I think, a lot of valuable information. I try to make these Lisa Lately's really thought informed about not just dumping all of my thoughts onto you, but instead extracting the ones that have improved my life, that have meaning in hopes that it will bring meaning, help, or something really positive to your life. So today we're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to be talking about myofascial release. I've been pretty loud. I'm not really on social media that much right now, but when I am, I've been talking about myofascial release and fascia in general. I'm going to share about the U-shaped happiness curve in life that has shifted my perspective on aging. I'm going to talk a little bit about how us women who are listening need to call each other out on some language that we use in order to really shift how we show up in the world, in our relationships with our partners, and impact the rest of us. And I'm going to talk about a concept called Yatori, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is about living with spaciousness and 
honestly, it has been a profound change in my life to live this way or try to live this way as life does not allow a lot of spaciousness. So let's kick it off with myofascial release. That word is myofascial release. It's a type of body work or therapy that has changed my life over the last five years as I found an incredible myofascial release practitioner in Miami. My brother-in-law, Michael, has been seeing him for years. His name is Craig Cohen of IPT Miami. Anybody in Florida, if you're ever visiting Florida, find Craig and feel your whole life shift. It is really hard to find an incredible practitioner. However, I just found one in my area in Long Island, which is what sparked this conversation. So let's back it up a little bit and talk about what is fascia. So fascia is connective tissue that is around your entire body. So obviously you look at your body and you see your skin. And when you think about your body, you think about muscles and joints and bones. Cool. But around the muscles and joints, beneath your skin, what you can't see is a huge layer of connective tissue called fascia. And it does a really important job, such as keep you together in one piece. However, it can get what I call my words, not like official language, sticky, stuck, uh, lack of oxygen. And when that happens, we can fall into poor postural positions and develop pain and not know what's causing it, right? We think about our muscles and our joints. We think about getting deep tissue massages and pressure points and drilling into those pain point areas, but we're not realizing that there's this huge band of connective tissue that covers it all that first needs to be moved away if we want to drop into what's beneath it. So I fell in love with the word fascia if you ask anyone in my in my life you know if they've heard of the word fascia they've heard it from me for years because i've been talking about it releasing my own something that i am not going to recommend because i am not a practitioner nor do i really know the safety i just know what feels good for my body and it's just been a fascinating topic of mine that i have been studying in my own capacity so for me, I have had body pain for as long as I can remember, despite being a young body, currently 34. Uh, I ha remember feeling pain in specifically my low back hips as early as probably 18, 19, 20, to the point where I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to get a massage because that's all I knew. And as I started to dive deeper into body work, things like acupuncture and cupping started to become part of the things that I did for the physical pain. I realized that there's really so much more to this fascia and treating my tight fascia, I hoped would improve my flexibility. I'm, I'm very not flexible and improve my pain most importantly, which those kind of go hand in hand. Range of motion is limited when we are not flexible. When we have tight fascia, things are restricted. No fresh blood can get to those areas. Things get really dry, right? Picture a raisin, picture everything that covers your body, kind of like a dry raisin and then picture something with oxygen in it and fresh blood, right? It's kind of like that, that vibrant red going through your body or like that dark purple brown. And we really want to aim for that bright red so that the body is feeling really good and supported like it's supposed to. A lot of our lives obviously contribute to having, again, my terminology, this tight fascia or restrictions because of the way that we live. You know, we do have a very set, we have sedentary lifestyles. We are on our phones all day. You know, our bodies fall into these positions and things get uh, stuck. 
So um, people, I think, largely find myofascial release therapy because of pain or a lot of times injury. It is going to help that as well. But the magic of this work is that inside the fascia are also emotions. And we can work on our emotional body when we treat the fascia. There is a book called Your Body Keeps the Score. I know a lot of people are kind of familiar with that term, but really think about it. Your body is holding the emotional score of your life. And all of us in some degree have experienced or experienced trauma, big and small, little T's or big T's as they call it in the therapy world. And if brushed over, your body holds on to that. It has memory of it, meant to protect you, but not actually protecting you because it's your body's just holding onto it really tightly without an understanding of it and a deep processing of it. A teacher of mine, I'm in yoga teacher training right now, which I think will have to be a separate podcast because I'm getting a lot of questions about it. Uh, Rodney Yee, he kept saying this past week, your issues are in your tissues. Love that. I think we all love a good rhyme, right? So when I experience myofascial release from an incredible practitioner, huge asterisk here, not everybody is incredible. I'm going to share with you how to help you find a good practitioner who's well-trained. However, even well-trained might not have that touch because there is really an intuitive aspect to it and somebody really needs to understand the mind-body connection and tap into your psyche a little bit to do this hard work. So when I've worked with Craig in the past in Miami, I have had huge emotional releases from this work and thoughts surfacing from the subconscious and tears flowing. And sometimes I might not even realize how powerful the work is until the next day when I actually feel sick because of what has to leave the body and come up. It's such incredible healing work and I don't live in Miami, unfortunately. And I've scoured where I live for good practitioners. And for some reason, I've never been able to find somebody. But recently, I found somebody super near me, which is what re-sparked this conversation. I've only seen him once. I'm going back to him today. And I could just tell that he was incredible. I have been struggling with... Again, this could be a whole other podcast episode. But um, I'll just leave it at some PTSD stuff, which has been triggering kind of mini panic attacks, which feel like my neck is eating itself when it starts to happen. I feel attacked by my own neck. It's a really strange thing if you've never experienced it. Um, if you have experienced panic attacks in some degree, they can feel very uh, physical. And that's kind of what's been happening for me. And then the physicality sparks the anxiety. And it's very hard to resource, come back to center when there is this large sensation. So I, that's kind of what threw me on the path of finding this new practitioner. I could feel the neck activating. And I've known in the past that Craig has been the only person that has been able to soften that neck area, which then sends that safety signals back to my body. Okay. So anyway, this guy is amazing. It's called Long Island Myofascial Release for anybody who's in the area. But for anybody who wants to find somebody in their area, that's the first piece of information I'm going to give you. You can go to John Barnes' website himself, which I'll link below. John Barnes is the creator of this type of myofascial release therapy. Per the John Barnes website, you can look for a practitioner in your area by state. And I want to read their definition of what myofascial release is. 
Per the John Barnes website, myofascial release is a safe and very effective hands-on technique that involves applying gentle, sustained pressure into the myofascial connective tissue restrictions to eliminate pain and restore motion. The essential time element has to do with the viscous flow, and I don't know this word, but it says piezoelectric phenomenon. A low load, meaning gentle pressure, is applied slowly to allow a, again, word I don't know, viscoelastic medium, oh, that means fascia, to elongate. So in some, they use gentle pressure for a long amount of time to elongate the fascia. Trauma, inflammatory responses, and or surgical procedures create myofascial restrictions that can produce tensile pressures of about 2,000 pounds per square inch on one pain-sensitive structure that will not show up on tests like x-rays, myelograms, CAT scans, etc. So what he's saying here is that you might feel something really real, 2,000 pounds of something on a pain-sensitive structure, and when you go to the doctor to say, this hurts me and they scan you and they find nothing, your pain is still real and there's a treatment for you. Going back to his definition, the use of myofascial release allows us to look at each patient as a unique individual. The one-on-one therapy sessions are hands-on treatments during which the therapists use a multitude of myofascial release techniques and movement therapy. We provide independence through education and proper body mechanics and movements, self-treatment and instructions, enhancement of strength, improved flexibility, and postural movement awareness. Both Craig, who I have seen, and the the one who I'm seeing now, are both physical therapists as well as myofascial release practitioners. So the way that they do business is kind of similar. And I wanna share that with you because it is different than just lying on a bed in a typical massage if you've ever had one or you have some idea of what it looks like. So the first thing that both of them have done with me is um, I wear shorts and a sports bra because this is a hands-on technique. It is not lying you know, naked or in your underwear like a typical massage, but it's also not fully clothed like some type of um, physical therapy is. So it's kind of this, this mixture and I want you to know so that you know what to expect and you feel comfortable with your practitioner in what you are wearing. So I wear a sports bra and shorts knowing that the regions that they're going to have to get to involve my my hips, my low back, my shoulders, etc. And the first thing he does is I kind of just stand in front of him. I turn forward to center. Um, sorry, I turn forward to the right to the back, to the left, the whole spectrum. And he takes a look at my posture, which arm is is closer to my leg. And a good practitioner very quickly sees the imbalances in your body. And what's fascinating is, although sometimes I may go for something like my low back hip, Craig in Miami has treated my neck. And essentially it's the understanding that just because you are feeling pain in one area doesn't mean that that's where the restriction is. And it's this really broad understanding of the body to really understand these connections and feel confident to treat somebody in a different area than the one that they're complaining in. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's kind of what happens first, just a physical assessment where they look at your body. My practitioner took pictures on my own phone so that we could review my spine and he could show me what he's seeing. But again, I kept these pictures, not to say that a practitioner keeping those pictures would be wrong, but just wanted to share the process that I went through so that you can kind of know what to expect and feel confident asking questions uh, because you might not feel comfortable in that aspect. The next question I get a lot is, does it hurt? So it is different than a deep tissue massage, which drills into the motion uh, because it is quote unquote gentle, but these long holds. And this is what really differentiates myofascial release and 
if you asked me previously, like I only go for deep tissue because I want to get in there and, and, you know, make it really an effective use of my time. I don't go to any type of massage usually really for relaxation. I want to get into the sticky parts of my body and release them. And myofascial release, you got to trust that it's working because it is a gentle pressure over time. So does it hurt? No, but does it intensify with time as that gentle pressure kind of builds up and the muscle starts to, sorry, the fascia starts to release, elongate, clear up a little bit and you make your way into deeper parts of the body. So does it hurt? Um, there might be an element of, of intense sensation, but personally, I wouldn't call it pain. It definitely feels like something and it builds up with time. And there is sometimes a huge kind of release that occurs, which again is more of a strong sensation than pain, but is very different than deep tissue massage or cupping or things that are kind of meant to be super intense. Um, how does it differ from a massage? Again, I do wear clothing during this. I wear a sports bra and shorts, knowing that the whole thing is about the practitioner being able to put their hands directly on your body to make this change. So I would simply ask your practitioner what you what they want you to wear when coming to the session so that you feel most comfortable and prepared. I am clearly not a myofascial expert release, but I am really passionate about it. So with that said, I would love to bring on either Craig or uh, Steven, the new practitioner that I've been working with to really talk about this if you are interested in it. I don't just think that this is the future. I know it to be true. This is a very new-ish thing in the sense that I believe my practitioner had told me John Barnes' method was only able to prove himself and this method as in 2005 or 2006, I have to get that exact information. So don't hold me to that. But a lot of people don't understand it because it is broad. You're not necessarily targeting the area that the patient comes in for. It does involve the mind-body connection. It is deeply emotional, something that a lot of physical body workers don't know. They treat the muscular skeletal system, meaning uh, the bones, the joints, etc., And they don't have that information on how the, the body holds the, the, keeps the score or your issues are in your tissues or how emotional our physical bodies are. So coming from somebody who is passionate about not just spine health, but nervous system support and going to, to a practitioner for both sides of those, the musculoskeletal, I do have pain. I want to accomplish feeling less pain and comfort in my body, but I also want to use it as a time to get that emotional release and allow more blood flow and flow back into my body as I get that release. So again, I would love to bring an expert on here. If you guys are interested, you let me know. Otherwise, I'll just keep this information to myself. Now, I know you're all going to be as obsessed with it as I am because it is life-changing. If you don't experience physical pain, you experience emotional pain. If you don't have emotional pain, you have physical pain. And if you have none of those, you're probably not a human. But if you think you don't have any of those, you certainly know somebody who does who can benefit. So spread the word. That's truly how I want to use this platform to spread the words about life-changing treatments that can change your life how to find someone in your area. I'm going to link the John Barnes website below, put in your state, and hopefully you can find somebody incredible. If it doesn't feel good on the first try, please, please, please try again if this type of treatment feels like you're being called to it. All right, next up is the topic of embracing aging. Wherever I go, it seems that this topic is chasing me and maybe it is a sign from the universe to start to think about aging differently 
as I am getting older. Well, we're all getting older, right? But I'm kind of in this mid 30 age where, you know, 40, I feel like is this, I'm clearly on my way to 40, hopefully. And, um, you know, we, we think of 40 as a real, real, real adult. And no, that doesn't even make sense. It's all relative, right? Like everybody thinks who's ever older than them is old. But I guess I'm just in this like, you know, time in my life where getting older is more visible, I guess. And with that comes really thinking about how our society views aging from a health perspective, from a mind perspective, and from an aesthetic perspective. Now, This is a complicated topic, and I'm not even going to try to make a dent in it today. Um, And I'm not going to sit here as like the ambassador of somebody who gets it and is the face of pro-aging. I do want to bring on some experts who I've had the privilege to meet at an amazing event that I was on. Um, I guess I'll go, I'll talk about that for a second here. I was invited to speak on a panel for pro-aging with a company called Great Lakes Wellness. If you're unfamiliar, Great Lakes Wellness makes incredible high-quality collagen and they have been around for 100 years. That's how legitimate this company is. They're not the collagen trend. They don't have the, or they haven't spent the marketing dollars like some other big collagen companies have, but they truly create the best collagen. If you consume collagen, I just want to let you know that they are an incredible brand that don't necessarily have the marketing budget of others. But if you were to consume collagen, that would definitely be the brand that I recommend stand by and know the people behind and can speak to the ethos of this brand. Again, they brought me on to be on a panel on pro aging. Now, everybody's like, why the heck are you here? You are young and you have nothing to say on this matter. And I actually thought the same, too, as I sat alongside brilliant women who are radically giving aging the bird. That was kind of the the theme of of the event, but it really is is not about giving aging the bird. It's about thinking about aging in a very different way so we can change the narrative and really start to live our life more fully rather than thinking that uh, it's just downhill from here. And being next to these power women I started to really think about the incubator phase that I'm in right now, which is I'm not so anti the anti-aging world like these women I sat next to are. And that's simply because I'm in the incubator stage where I'm being primed to fear aging, not realizing the effect that it's having on my brain. But now that I've woken up a bit, I am less susceptible to marketing. I'm noticing how prevalent it is that we uh, treat aging as this negative thing. We approach it with fear. And I'm thinking about it differently. I am, again, not the face of this convo, not perfect at any of this, but um, it, it has really awoken me up to how wrong we are viewing aging. I was listening to a podcast and I actually heard that happiness curve is U-shaped in our life, meaning we're really happy when we're young. And then as we get older in our 30s, 40s, where a lot of our listeners are, it dips, we lose our happiness. But guess what? It's a U. So it comes back up as we get older. Now, this felt really kind of like a hug for me because for the first time, you know, I am in this, this, I am happy, but I'm at a difficult stage of child raising in my life where you lose a big part of yourself. And with that, 
it feels sometimes like it's all downhill from here. I get older and then this happened and this happened and this happens. But if you know that there's a U-shaped curve, you start to get a little bit excited about tomorrow and the next day and the next day, knowing that this is hard, right? It's validation for the fact that your 30s, your 40s can be really hard. But doesn't mean that it's going to get harder and harder and harder. Instead, there's going to be life infused into different stages of the life cycle, even if some aspects do get harder as aging obviously comes with. I am studying yoga right now very deeply. And we, uh, you may be familiar with the pose Shavasana. It's also called corpse pose that happens at the end of every yoga session that you have. And a lot of people skip Shavasana because why do I need to rest? I'm here to work out. But in fact, some real yoga practitioners that have studied it understand that it's actually the most important pose, not just for physicality, mind-body integration, but because you are looking death in the face every single day and approaching it with grace rather than resistance. So the idea is you have this mini death every day. It sounds morbid, but it's not. And you shed and release that version of you. And settling into stillness, right, is so opposite of how we're taught and thinking about death and becoming a little bit more comfortable with it. I'm starting to realizing, realizing that we all die allows us to move away from fear and start to truly live. Again, this is not me being an expert on this or saying right now that I'm comfortable with the idea of death or living in truth of this at all. But it's something that I'm thinking about a lot when it comes to aging, which we all are hopefully, right? We all want to age. We want to be here longer to spend more time with our our families or create families or make an impact in this world. And yet we are meeting it with such resistance and it doesn't just affect women. In my yoga class is a 70 something plus male who he was like the glue of our class. He's the funniest, so sharp, so um, opposite of what we characterize a 70 plus late 70s, um, almost 80 year old man to be. And I love I love him. I honestly just want to spend more time around him, the way he showed up to his mat, the comments that he made. And I asked him, how old are you? Really not thinking much about it. I might have danced around it a little bit more if it was a woman, knowing how women have this idea that we shouldn't say our age. But I asked him and I was completely shocked to hear him say, I don't really like to say my age. And I was like, why? You know, I kind of, you know, we were in this this place where it was appropriate to dig a little bit more. He's like embarrassed by his own age, essentially, as a male, um, as a male who's living life in his body, doing the most. Even he had this shame around it. So these are more conversations that I want to have on this podcast with people who inspire me in this space and are making waves and getting us to think differently about how we talk about age, how we talk about our lives, how we dress, how we think. And these are really important conversations to be had so that we are just not molding future generations to fear aging, but instead understand that aging is a privilege and go about it gracefully in whatever means that they choose. That being said, when it comes to anti-aging, a lot of times we're talking about um, things like aesthetic procedures, Botox, fillers, um, plastic surgery, etc. This is a subtopic here that I'm not even going to try to cover today because there's so many layers to it. But I just wanted to start to have this conversation and hopefully as I bring guests on, we can dive a little bit more deeply into 
where is that fine line of feeling your best, looking however you want, your choice, and still embracing aging in a way that doesn't involve fear and a fear of death specifically. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, third thing on Lisa Lately today is that we as women need to call each other out when we are playing small or using language that is inhibiting our worth. This next point pertains specifically to heterosexual women who are in a relationship with a man. I am in a group chat with a lovely group of women in my town and they're kind of new friends actually. And we talk about all the things that we have in common and As we text, I think a lot of us text really fast without a lot of thought, myself included. And sometimes we have to really back it up and think about how will saying this impact the group here and women to come as a trickle effect. And one of the women who I absolutely love, if you're listening, just FYI, I love you, uh, she was talking about all the things that she does and blah, blah, blah. And she just said, we're really lucky to have husbands who put up with us. And that struck like a nasty chord with me. And I just quickly, you know, wrote back, they are lucky to have us. And the truth is we are lucky to have each other in whatever type of partnership we have. But I really wanted to not just let that pass by, especially because we were on this group text where we don't really all know each other. And we are at the same time impacting each other at all times. I wanted to set the norm that we are a strong group of women we elevate each other but we also call each other out on language that is inhibiting us and this particular phrase our our husbands we should be thankful that our husbands put up with us really really hit that chord that was like no 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 they are lucky to have us and in truth the underbelly of that again is we are lucky to have each other but i think that there are language things that we say that we do that need to be called out so that we don't internalize that feeling, right? I don't want my friend to continue to internalize that feeling that we're lucky that her husband, that she's lucky that her husband puts up with her. Internalizing that makes her feel like she's a burden, that she, you know, is a lot to put up with. Having a lot of thoughts or things that you like to do or what you would classify as high maintenance-ness, Right. You are not a burden. You are a partner to somebody else and you bring balance to their life and hopefully they bring balance to yours. And I want you to be on the lookout and hopefully share with me things that women are saying around you that you are calling out in a sweet way so that we continue to change that ripple effect of how women show up in their relationships their significant relationships and their other relationships with their other girlfriends, because this is truly how we change the future of women to feel empowered to be their authentic selves. Okay, the next topic we're going to talk about is one called Yutori, which in Japanese means living with spaciousness. Everything I've talked about today could have been its own podcast episode, all things that I'm super passionate about. We could talk about for a really long time, but my true hope is that these concepts that we bring up today continue to be conversations that we have on this podcast with guests through solos. So me bringing them up right now is not our one-stop shop, but rather ways that we're going to start living and thinking that we're going to continue to expand episode by episode as they are really about how we need to live our life. So Yatori is this concept in Japanese that means living with spaciousness. And I've been trying to live with spaciousness, spaciousness, Yatori, since August, really. I've mindfully really thought about this. And the first time I heard this word was in a yoga class where the teacher said that um, enlightenment feels like space in the joints. And so practicing yoga is 
making space in your life. Now, I grew up in a pressurized world where everything was urgent, everything was a disaster, everything needed immediate attention, and therefore there was no spaciousness. Because this was my norm, how I grew up, I didn't know that there was another way to live. And my default actually falls back to this intense pressurized way especially when I'm triggered, stressed, tired, right? Not being mindful. But I have had moments where I could create spaciousness and I know that that is really my birthright and where the answers are. So practicing this since August, spaciousness in my body and in my mind has really just solidified how important this concept is. Uh, There's a song out right now that Amy Brown told me about because it's a country song and I'm not a big country person, although maybe I am because I do really like it. I just don't have access to it by Steve Mochler called Make a Little Room. And I love this song because it's really talking about the same concept, making a little room for the quote unquote small things in your life, getting coffee, listening to music, being present, making sourdough bread, make a little room, right? And At the same time, we don't make a little room. We feel so pressured to get through our to-do list, to rush, 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 that we forget that it is not getting through the checklist that makes us happy, but rather it is making room for the space that makes us happy, dropping into the present. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do every step of the way. By making space in August, I was shocked to see what came up. You know, I was so determined pre this to jump back into what I was doing and figure out how to be good at it again and find a flow with the old things that I used to do that I was so like that urgency that I was created really blocked me from seeing what could come up with space. And as I made space, right, the answers became more clear, not the huge answers of my life. I'm still working through that. But what I need to do today, tomorrow and the next day became really clear to me. And once it became clarified, I became confident in what I need to do. Now, is it the most lucrative? No. Is it the most life-changing career moves and in knowing, you know, how I'm going to build my business and, and what my long-term future goals are. It's not, I know right now that I want to be immersed in this yoga teacher training, take it really seriously and learn from the amazing teachers that I have. I'm like shocked that I get to sit in front of them and learn from them, especially because by the way, they teach in a way that is like perfect for my learning style. We'll, We'll share that in a separate podcast, I guess, about the yoga teacher training, learning styles and how cool it is to to learn in a way that like matches your brain anyway but i i am immersed in this self study and i feel really good to have space and not feel oh i need to post on instagram i need to post i need to post i need to post i need to do what everybody else is doing but it was only once i made the space i got rid of the junk and the noise i moved that crap away that i was able to see oh okay this is what i want to be doing No, you don't need to function in this way just because everybody else is doing it. You don't need to follow the path of success that you think you need to follow. And instead, you just need to be here right now. And oftentimes, the things that are right in front of our nose are not visible because of our loud brains. And making space allows us to move that crap away and see that there were doors right in front of our nose all along that we never even tried to open. 
And I, I hope that we all feel more inspired to live with more spaciousness, to take time to put our phones in other rooms, to bake cookies with our children or cousins or nieces or nephews or whatever it is, and truly realize that life is not in the urgency. It is in the spaciousness, the lack of urgency. But it is a choice that we need to make every single day because we don't actually get more time to do any of these things. We just change our relationship to time. When we put urgency on time, it's going to feel rushed. It's going to go fast. But when we bring spaciousness to time, a mindset really, all of a sudden time is expansive. All of a sudden we remember things better. And then we are living more fully and more authentically. That's my Lisa Lately for this week. I hope that it inspires new thoughts. I hope that it helps you feel seen. I hope that there is some sort of a takeaway for you and that Lisa Lately is not just, you know, me sharing what helps me, but instead helping you, which helps we. Thank you all so very much. And I'll see you back here next week on The Truthiest Life. All of my love and gratitude. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.